You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and today's topic is a fun one. We have Jamie Punishill joining us to talk about how sacred cows make the tastiest burgers. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Terrific. I got so a Jamie, hankering t- for a burger. <laughs> well, it, it, it doesn't help that we're doing this right before lunchtime, or at least lunchtime on the West Coast, you know, and you're probably hungry for a snack after this one. <laughs> I ju- my wife just gave me a nice healthy meal and now I'm like, you know what? I need a burger right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So Jimmy, tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are. Uh, sure. So I, I'm the chief marketing officer of Lionbridge. Um, for those on the podcast who aren't familiar with Lionbridge, um, we are one of the world's largest translation and localization companies. Um, which you know really means we help lots of large global organizations figure out how to operate across borders and languages and cultures, um, and do that you know with some speed or scale. If you ever asked yourself how the heck does Apple um, launch the iPhone in 37 markets on one day and have all the product marketing materials and the phone in all those languages, um, et cetera, et cetera, and the answer is they work with a partner like us, uh, amongst others, to to do that work. Um, I have an interesting uh, you know, sort of path to get here to, to get to the heart of your question. Um, uh, you know, I started my career actually in sales. Uh, it was my very first job, uh, a um, 100% commission, no draw um, sales job um, straight out of college, um, which will teach you to work hard really, really fast because otherwise you won't eat. Um, and, and kind of made my way into digital transformation um, and really on the product side, built the first online brokerage for Bank of America many, many moons ago when I was 25 and knew what the interwebs were. And that kind of made me qualified and, and just tracked digital innovation and, and transformation um, over the years. And eventually that brought me into marketing organizations, which were increasingly were assuming um, lots of that responsibility. And that's how I got more, let's call it traditional marketing, you know, skills and experience, you know, branding and advertising and, you know, offline campaigns and PR and comms and, and, and some of the other things. And, uh, and then here we are. Um, if, you, if you look backwards at my resume, it looks like I was really smart and I planned it all along. Um, and I assured you that was absolutely not the case. <laughs> well, it's either you or your better half planned it for you, you know? <laughs> That's how some of these decisions uh, are made. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I, you know, in, in, in all seriousness, I, I think I've been able to make some good, um, I have a good sense about either skills I'm lacking or need to develop or grow. Um, you know, when did I need P&L experience? When did I need people management experience? You know, when, when would I pivot over to some of these new things? Uh, I've made some good moves in that direction that have, have, have served me well. So I think I've had some good instincts about how to sort of pivot and, and advance the story forward. 
Now, th this is super, super cool because my personal belief is that you need to be an individual who can holistically understand the business. And to do that, you can do education, you can do you can learn by exposure. You know, you can watch other people do this, or you go to the good old-fashioned way and just get experience, right? Like, go at it, and and you sound like somebody who's actually done exactly that. You just went at it, and then you're not search chasing a destination, but you're making sure that your journey is complete and full of rich experiences. Yeah, I mean, you know, what's interesting is if you, if you go back historically and you look at, I'll just speak to corporate America, right? That's what general management training was, right? I mean, that's how you became CEO of a large organization. You know, you look at their history, you know, they start they start in the mailroom or they start in the factory floor or wherever it was they start and, and they move their way up. And then as they, you know, sort of move through training, they'll get moved to different departments. Okay, go take a finance job and learn how finance works. Go take a marketing job and learn how marketing works and, and so on and so forth until you have a complete view of the company. As we've moved away from sort of that one company track, people then are now responsible. You're responsible for managing your own career and your own skill set, almost creating your own general management training program if what you want is to be an executive um, and to have kind of more of that, you know, senior responsibility. Um, there's a lot of, you know, and I'm certainly not the first or the, the smartest or most knowledgeable to talk about this, but it is one of the big um, challenges of the sort of the, the push towards specialization um, that, that, you know, has happened in in the way people have managed their careers in the last, you know, 30, 40, 50 years is you really get pigeonholed. Um, it's really tough to become a general management executive or to be facile enough to operate in this fast changing universe because your experience is so limited to one pipe. Absolutely. And so I guess today what I wanted to dive in a little bit with you is this whole concept of how does one unlock their, let's call it execiness to become a super exec, right? Because the journey to get to an exec is, I would say, relatively straightforward. And, and then after that, there's many people that make it far in that super exec land, right? And, uh, and then many people that don't, right? Uh, a lot of times people will say it's pure luck, right? Well, it is pure luck too, but it can't just be pure luck. And there are things that can be done. Some people follow the traditional path. Some people follow the, the non-traditional path like you've done, right? Uh, but it just sounds like that the decision to become a super exec needs to be one, and I'll use a marketing term, it has to be intentional, right? And so, um, and, and you have to think about it because that will become what people will remember you for. But if you don't think about it, then you may become a super exec of a type that may not fit well with who you thought you wanted to be, right? And I'll give you the classic example of wartime CEOs versus peacetime CEOs, right? And the circumstances that you grow up in or that you have to deal with or that are given to you dictate what type of a CEO you're going to be. But I just don't want to focus on the CEO because the CMO, the CRO, the CEO, like all, everybody at that super exec level plays a role. But I, I believe that there is an intentional path to that level. And so I'd love your thoughts on that. 
No, well, boy, I mean, there's a lot of layers to what you just said. Um, I, I do. I, let me start with sort of the the, the heart of it. I, I do believe there is at some point there is a very intentional decision set. Um, you know, and I will say for me, um, you know, just do belly button research for half a second. You know, I didn't I didn't leave college. I didn't grow up thinking I wanted to be a C level executive, um, much less a CMO. Um, a, I didn't, you know, leave college thinking that I didn't start my career that way. In fact, I spent the first 10 years of my career really as an individual contributor. Um, and I was very happy with that, that there was a, a very conscious moment where I looked at, you know, how I was feeling about the work I was doing and the impact I was making. And I said to myself, okay, if I, if I really care about bringing this to bear, I've got one of two choices. I can go start my own company. Um, or I need to go get power and remit inside of an organization in order to have the ability to um, drive the, the agenda and the vision and the things that, that I wanted to, to bring to, get, to bear. So I do think there's, there's an intentional moment. And it has to be, um, frankly, as intentional as, you know, oh, I have this neat idea. Let me go start a business. Um, and, and if you sort of think about your career that way, you are the CEO of your own career. Um, and so therefore you've got to set a strategy and a vision, um, and, um, you know, and, and, you know, find the right employees and partners and distribution channels and, and, and the rest of it, just to beat that metaphor to death. You know, the other thing I think I'll, I'll bring up, um, and I've been fortunate to have some, um, I've, I've been exposed to some fairly bad corporate training, um, but also some really, really good corporate training. Um, and there's some really fabulous authors and experts, um, Zanier Folkman, um, who really have studied leadership and executives and competencies. Um, and um, they've written a bunch of books. You can you can pick them up. In fact, I've got the workbook around here somewhere. Um, uh, uh, see if I can find it to, to get the name for it to point the audience towards. But um, uh, yeah, oh yeah, Senior Folkman, the extraordinary leader. Um, and and like I said, there's a lot of a lot of books, and they've studied you know thousands of executives from different companies globally. And what makes for a great leader and, and who can they predict who will rise and who not rise, et cetera. Um, and I won't get this exactly right, but they've basically determined that there are like 16 different core competencies that make for great leaders. Um, and the best of the best of the best, if you said, you know, who's the best CEO in America and you sort of get that small list, the best of them will be really exceptional at five of those 16 competencies. Um, they can't be great at all 16, right? You, you can't be the awesome finance guy and the awesome marketing person and the amazing operations you know, leader or what have you. Um, and, and most great leaders won't get to five. They'll really be at four. Um, and your typical the leader set that most of us experience really only have three. Um, but the key is you also can't have any, none of them can be weaknesses. So, you know, the, the March North isn't so much um, becoming expert in everything. Um, it's finding a few good things, really having self-awareness about where you differentiate, where you add value, where you can truly be exceptional. Um, is it people management? Is it leadership and visionary, you know, visionary management, whatever those dimensions are. Um, and then getting all the rest of them up to being at least neutral. 
uh, right? So there you have no, you, have, you can't have any detractions and you need to be exceptional at a couple of things. And that self-awareness is difficult, right? And, and that brutal honesty with yourself is, is difficult too. Because um, uh, so many of us, you know, you're here to try to address all your weaknesses and you just don't, you can't, you know, I, I, I know what I'm great at, um, which gets to another point you made, right? Which is fit. Some people, awesome for distressed companies. And that's what they should do. Just go find one distressed company after another because you really thrive in that environment. And, you know, some people, it's super stable, you know, um, operational excellence. Uh, and that's the other, right, you know, again, real key port of self-awareness is knowing where you fit. Um, and much like, you know, choosing a partner, um, uh, you know, find, you got to find the right fit. Yeah. And I guess I'm struggling with how does one even start thinking about becoming a C-level or a senior exec, right? Like, could people just say, because again, all of these like executive level jobs are like, they're great roles, right? Like, like you, you technically don't necessarily have to go beyond a VP at a large company. You could stay at a VP and still enjoy a really good journey. And so, so for the audience, right? Because in our audience, you have global VPs, right? And so there could be first time VPs, second AP VPs, there's like veterans like yourself, right? Like, like how does, how does, how does that person think if I'm at like a first, second, or maybe third time VP, right? And now I'm thinking, I'm starting to think and, and normally it happens like my friends become CMO. So then I'm thinking I got to be a CMO, right? But but what's the thought process or maybe if you have tips on like what is not the right thought process, like that would be great to learn too. I, you know, I, I'll come back to how I think about it. Um, and, and for me, I, I mean, I, think, I personally think it's a smart way to think about it. But so take it for what it's worth. I, I always looked at it as can I accomplish? Am I accomplishing the things I want to accomplish? Am I really happy? Um, in doing this work and can I bring it to bear in a way that's meaningful for me in the current construct? And if I'm not, what would I have to change in order to bring that to bear? I mean, this is true about any area of your life, right? Is my personal life, you know, it, you know, is my fitness the way it needs to be? No. Okay. Let me, what, what circumstances do I need to change? What behavior or environment or tools or skills or attitudes would I need to adjust? And I think it's the same here. And, and so I'll, I'll put it, make it really tangibly for me. You know, I started my career, as I said, an individual contributor. I happen to be, I'm old enough to have started college when nobody had email addresses, um, but finish right at the beginning of the sort of the internet and the PC revolutions. Um, and so, uh, you know, and, and, and that also makes me a little further ahead digitally than most executives my age. Um, I'm kind of right at that cusp of the digital. Most people think I'm a very old digital native, um, uh, but that, that has served me well. And so I could see very quickly, I wanted to sit inside of that technical transformation, that this, this, this PC-led, information technology-led universe was going to be transformative and interesting. And everywhere I went, I just felt like lots of people around me didn't see that. 
Um, they were still looking through the world at the world through a sort of an older lens. So it was really, where can I, what role can I take? What environment can I create? Cause I think this thing's going to be really cool and it's going to change the face of finance. It's going to change the way people relate to their money. You know, that, cause that was the, the, the industry I was in. Um, and I, you know, that led me ultimately to Forrester. Um, you know, during the dot-com, you know, the pre-dot-com boom and, and, and after, which was an awesome place to be. But it became very frustrating on some level to do all this great research and to see all the possibility and to see the consumer data that said it was going to happen and then watch how companies were executing it or not executing it. I mean, here we are, it's 2021, and there's still companies that are have just figured out that digital transformation matters. Um, right. And it, and it took a pandemic and 25 years to, to, to get there. So I looked at that and said, all right, well, I guess if I'm going to, if I believe that this is all true, I'm, I'm going to have to do one of two things, go start my own company, or I'm going to have to go back inside of these companies and try to bring it to life myself. Um, and every job I had, I realized I didn't have enough power or budget. So I just started looking for bigger jobs where I could have enough power budget to try to help bring this transformation to bear. And, and so I, I tell that, you know, one person story because I think it is it's fairly instructive of I had a clear vision. I had a clear objective. Um, and I just kept looking at the circumstances and saying, what would it take for me to create the environment where that vision and that objective can come to bear for some folks? It might be that you hit that sort of mid-level, hey, I run creative for an organization. I'm doing really awesome work. And that's really all, that's what I wanted to do was to do this amazing creative, right? I mean, if I was on the marketing team at Nike and I really wanted to do creative or Apple, I'd probably be pretty happy, right? Like that, that I wouldn't need, I don't necessarily need to be CMO to do that thing that I love. So, so much of it depends on, your vision and sort of objective of yourself and, and you know, what, you know, gets you jazzed and, and you're excited to work on. And if you're not at the right level to be able to bring it to bear, it could be a different company at the same level, or might it be, you've got to be at a higher level. Some people I think are super clear, like, Hey, I know I want to run something, but I didn't grow up like that. I didn't, I never thought about the world that way. Um, and frankly, if I could have done what I wanted to do as an individual contributor, I'm not sure I would have pursued the path that I took. It's just I, that was the, the blockers were there. And so I said, fine, I'm going to go remove the blockers. Yeah, well, th this is great. And I guess I'm curious because like I um, when you want to brainstorm, right? And it's going to be a telling answer. When you want to brainstorm about something, right? What functions are the other execs that you brainstorm with? about stuff whether they're internal external doesn't matter oh. right like i'm thinking about the, the top three people that that you call as a phone a friend and you're like hey man like i'm struggling with this like like how do i get my board to think about sustainability for a business like like stuff like that well it's a super fascinating question um i don't know that i have i don't i don't i don't quite think about the world exactly that way insofar okay. as Depending on the topic, I would give you a different answer. Okay. Um, so that really is the answer. I'm really one of these believers, you know, and, and you, you see this instantiated in, you know, really great, you know, design thinking, etc., where you get you truly get inspiration and you take inputs from lots of different places. 
I am a voracious consumer of information. Um, uh, I've had more than a few people and bosses ask me why I'm reading all this stuff that doesn't seem relevant to whatever it is I'm working on, et cetera. Um, and I just believe that all of, you know, inspiration comes from so many interesting places and usually in corners you're not looking at. Uh, and so that, which takes me back to your question, I manage my relationships, um, and my network the same way. Uh, so I am a, you know, I'm the kind of person who, if, if I don't think you're a bot or just immediately trying to sell me something on LinkedIn, I'll accept the connection because you just never know. Um, and so I, I'm a big believer in a lot of those, what you know, call weak connections, one-off conversations, sort of random back and forth. Cause I just am a believer. You just never know, you know, what's going to happen. I get, you know, you could accuse me of having FOMO and you wouldn't be the first, um, on, on that front. But, but I will tell you, and I've, I've, I can highlight moments of this where something I read 15 years ago comes to mind in the middle of a conversation or something somebody said to me 20 years ago in a conversation. And it just sat there somewhere in my brain and it comes it suddenly it's, you know, the it, it, it matrix like it suddenly becomes relevant. I don't know why it's still in my brain or how I access it. Um, but it's why I collect a lot of those things. And again, why I make a lot of those connections, because you just never know what you're going to need them um, and how to solve problems. And, and it is, I, I think, inherent in your question is a good tactic just for everybody. Right. Which is think about all the different facets and perspectives yep. and problems that you'll need to solve and ask yourself, okay, who might I call to get perspective on that? And if I don't know anybody, okay, well, there's your task. Go find a couple, go introduce yourself to a few people and try to figure out how you might be able to tap into those resources. And I've been super fortunate. You know, I've got some, some great old managers and colleagues, et cetera, who, um, that I've had relationships with over the years that when I need something, um, oftentimes it's not even that they have the answer. It's that they can tell me who to go talk to or where to go look to find the answer, which is yeah. you know invaluable in and of itself. It, it, it's it's so true, and you know I found that once you've crossed this VP, and again I'm just taking the words VP as a stake in the ground, right? Like once you've crossed that yeah. level, everybody after that is all willing to collaborate, cooperate, like all of these like amazing camaraderie things all come down there, right? I I can't tell you how many VPs have helped me and they're like very senior people, right? And uh, and they're available, they are they have time. It's 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 below those ranks is what or below that rank is where all kinds of like jockeying and holding on to information and all this stuff starts and 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 it just there's like no end to it right for the life of me i haven't been able to figure out why but uh but but maybe you have a perspective on that i well i was gonna say let's let's be clear right you know every level has its own version of the throne room um <laughs> and and sort of politics and jockeying yes. and and the rest of it so I, I honestly, I can tell you, there's no there's no level in the organization where there is no politics, and and just for clarity's sake, because um, I I'm, I'm fascinated by the politics discussion that happens in in corporate America um, frequently, because lots of people say, oh, I don't play politics or I don't believe in politics, <laughs> etc., as if because I think there's this perception that politics is only negative, yes. um, and and my view is different, which is politics is just how groups of humans interact. Right. Yep. There are yep. positive versions of that, constructive versions of that. There are negative 
versions of that. And that has a lot to do with sort of intention and how you approach it. Um, and so if you think you're opting out of politics, you're still playing politics. You're just no decision is a decision. Okay? Correct. So you have to start there. Where I think it gets interesting and at the heart of your question is at the end, um, to be successful, certainly in larger organizations, but as you move up, you realize how little control you have over so many things that you need to bring along to bring to bear, to whatever it is you want to bring to bear. And so you have to get really good at the influence game and the relationship game and the working with others game, even those you don't like, um, even other, those you know have, they, they're out to get you even while you have to work with them. Um, and that's kind of the negative version of it. But I think that's part of the, some of the soft skills that you, you, it isn't always obvious when you look up about how people get things done um, and how they clear obstacles. I, I, mean, I tell my team all the time, I don't do real work anymore, right? My job is to you know, set the vision, clear the obstacles, fundraise, put a good team in place and get out of their way, right? Um, because I can't do all, you know, I, I'm, I'm not scalable. I haven't figured out how to defy the time-space continuum despite lots of effort on, on, that, on, on my part. So, you know, I, I don't have a set, to but go back to the heart of your question, a set group. Um, in okay. any given problem, I'm assembling in my mind, what is the coalition I'm going to put together to go okay. solve this? Um and sometimes that, you know, there, there are a few folks I probably would default to on some issues. Um, but quite often I'm including people that seem like they're coming from some oblique angle. Um, but if I, I just believe if I can clear or if I can get them on board, it creates enough of a strength of a coalition to blow past the obstacles. Yeah. No, Not I always helps. say, no, it, it does. It does. And I, and I always say, if somebody does not have an agenda, why would you want to hang out with them? Because like, if they have an agenda, at least they thought about it, right? And if they thought about it, maybe their data points may be missing, or maybe your data points are missing, but at least they're coming to their table with something versus with no agenda. Now you're sitting there thinking, well, what are we going to do, right? And then the person with the agenda no is always... There's no such thing as no agenda, right? Even I yes. mean, even Buddha had an agenda to not have an agenda, um, right? Like yes. if, if, that, if that's your agenda, like just like you're always <laughs> playing politics, even when you say you're not, you always right. somebody always has an agenda. Um, if right. this helps, the way I I like to think about it is, you know, we all have agendas. Um, the the difference is there are some people whose primary agenda um, or only agenda is their own. Um, uh, their own achievement, their own gain um, at the expense of everything else. Yes. Uh, and, and those are the folks I think that are dangerous and you have to watch out for. Yes. But yes. most folks I think operate on balance with, you know, customer and company as the primary agenda and self comes along with it. Yep. And if you can understand what, how people view the agenda across those different dimensions, that's, that's when things get really really interesting for you to work with. Yes, yes. The manifestation of, of the agenda actually is almost more important than the agenda because that is where relationships sour, you know. So on that note, I do want to dive in a little bit on your the 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 topic line, right? The sacred cows make the tastiest burgers. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? 
Yeah. So this is my new favorite quote. Um, I assemble these over the years and I kind of ebb and flow. Um, if you haven't seen the movie Chicago 7, um, which came out, I don't know, four or five months ago, um, then let me recommend to everybody. It is a it's a it's a must add um, to 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 the watch list. Um, it's a Aaron Sorkin's take on um, the trial um, of uh, and it's particularly timely given everything that's gone on the last few weeks. Um, but, you know, on the, the, the riots and, and some of the things that happened after the 1968 Democratic Convention. Um, and there's a scene that they've got in there where uh, Abby Hoffman is on the stand um, and uh, he says, sacred cows make the tastiest burgers um, or makes the tastiest hamburger. And I just stuck with that, that, you know, that's just a, as a guy who's tried to, um, uh, you know, lead change and innovation. Um, which often requires taking on some sacred cows, um, sometimes delicately. Um, I just, uh, you know, I attached myself to that and thought that was, um, that it is actually really, it is brilliant. And it's true, right? Getting that real change, like moving something that looked like it was immovable or, you know, so protected, um, at least for me, is, um, is, is supremely satisfying. Yeah. And, and, and rightly said it, you know, it's, it's something that you just cannot avoid and 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 everybody's coming from a perspective but they definitely have to align to the future and and it's tough you know it's it's really really tough for people and 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 as i am i guess experiencing transformation in different companies right like like there's always a funner way to do things <laughs> You know, at least that's a figure. But I do realize that at some point in time, you just don't have time because you are running at a play. And if you don't make the play, you're going to miss the market opportunity. And so those situations are tough. And, and, and even like, as we've been talking about, like the journey to become a CMO, right? Like the experience of understanding when to take the tough head on, I believe is how you unlock your super executive. Sometimes you're going to go too far. Sometimes you're you're not going to go too too far enough. But it's that it's. I feel like it's building that muscle requires some practice. Thoughts? Well, I mean, look, you know, it goes to something you said a little earlier. You know, around the idea of luck. You know, I'm a person who believes that you know luck is the intersection of opportunity and hard work. Right. So, you know, somebody saying somebody's lucky. Not that you can't find a few exceptions where somebody truly, you know, $10 million falls out of the sky under the lap and it's like, hey, great. Um, uh, But that that truly is rare. I actually find that more people miss opportunities that fly, they fly by them and they don't realize, oh, you had it. You had your chance at the brass ring. You, you missed it. And, And I, you know, to your point, I think that's where the, the art is, is realizing you know, to borrow a sports metaphor, you know, when do you get that pitch straight over the middle of the plate? And by the way, it, just because it's over the middle of the plate and even at the right speed still doesn't mean you're going to hit it. Sometimes it just isn't the right moment. Um, you know, the, you know, I'm, another great watch is, and I think it's on Showtime, might be on Netflix, I can't remember, but go look for the documentary on General Magic. Um, which is just stunningly awesome uh, for so many reasons. Um, but here you basically had the, 
a, a group of people in the Valley in the late 80s and early 90s who truly saw the future of the, of the mobility world. And, you know, where when we had no cell, there was no cell data. Um, there was no personal device. There was no iPod. There was none of this stuff. There wasn't even a Wintel. Um, and, and they were so far ahead of their time, so far ahead of the consumer, so far ahead of the technology, um, uh, so far ahead of the business world of everything. And there's not, almost nothing they could have done to have gotten it right in that moment because the circumstances weren't right. But if you actually you track, and the, the documentary does, it tracks the career of a lot of these folks. They end up being all of the people who have built all of the key things that we work on today, from Android to iOS to a bunch of IoT devices to mobile devices, you know, across all the manufacturers and providers, et cetera. They were just 25 years too early. So, I mean, I think you're right. There's, there's opportunity all the time um, that, that sits in front of folks. And, and you know, there's, you're going to miss, my boss says this all the time, and he's, he's a thousand percent right. You know, a good day in business is just where more things go right than wrong. Um, so and, well said. and I think that's actually one of the arts. It's <laughs> one of the art of, 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 of stepping to that next level, right? Yes. Which is, it's yes. not that you're not going to drop balls or make mistakes. It, it's not, you're, you're just not, you just, as long as you do, you, every day you get close to 51% victories, you've won, right? Because <laughs> lots of people don't, by the way. Yes. Yeah, that, that's, that's great. Cool. Well, Thank you for for taking the time, Jamie. This was a great conversation. I know we went in different angles, but the gist of this entire thing was was that if you are listening to us and you want to become a super exec, that this is a very intentional step that you have to take, and you should reach out to other folks. And I'm sure if you hit up Jamie, he'll he'll, he'll graciously give some of his time to you to 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 get to guide you. Um, but let's move to a little bit of the, I would say, funner part of the podcast, Jamie. So we always ask people who would be two other people that we should bring on to the show that you respect because it actually helps shape the podcast. So who would be two other people that you think we should bring on to the show who are passionate about go-to-market or data science or anything to help, any way to help a customer? Yeah, so um, let me start with um, someone who probably isn't on many people's radar screen, a guy named Steve DiOrio. Um, I've known Steve a long time, um, and Steve's got as wild and wacky sort of a career path as, as I have. He's, he's driving something called the Revenue Enablement Institute right now, um, and he was over at Forbes and the Marketing Council really thinking, um, doing some really good thinking on how to value marketing activities, um, you know, really tell that board level conversation. And, and I don't think it's just for CMOs though, or for CROs. I think it's a smart way of really looking at marketing and its value, revenue enablement and its value, how those things come together um, and, and really giving a construct for it um, that gets back to how not to get pigeonholed into just, you know, are you a brand guy or a creative guy or a revenue guy or, or whatever? Um, because, you know, I, I would attribute part of my success, um, at, you know, at Lionbridge and, and as a marketing leader is I'm perfectly clear about how I fit into the revenue motion um, and, to, you know, of the whole organization, much less of the, the sales organization. And, and that has served me super well, even though my very first job 
you know, I held the bag, you know, carried it as a sales leader, you know, or a salesperson rather, uh, you know, 20 something year, 27 years ago, um, give or take. But that I keep that in mind today. Um, so Steve is really, you know, high on my list. Um, and then I'll go a different direction. Um, uh, you know, another um, person I think has had kind of a, you know, pretty interesting career, a guy named Kyle Flaherty. Um, he's the new head of brand over at Cyber Reason. Um, I think, you know, what's going on in cybersecurity um, is super interesting for, for all of us for so many reasons. Um, it's a space that seems like, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think to get marketing or revenue inspiration from. Um, but I think he's doing some really, did some really, really, really interesting things at Rapid7. He's, you know, he just rebranded um, uh, Cyber Reason. Uh, and I think there's a lot to be, uh, he, he'd offer some neat perspective. Good stuff. And if people want to connect with you, Jamie, would you be open to that? And if yes, how should they connect with you? Um, absolutely. Um, probably the best way to hit me up is via LinkedIn. Um, I am sometimes episodic and slow in my responses. So let me apologize ahead of time to anybody who takes me up on this and reaches out and says, hey, he told me I could get him on LinkedIn. And it's been a week and I haven't heard anything. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I get, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I get like a, a thousand hits on my profile a week. So it's, um, there's a, there's a lot of people climbing around in there, including a lot of people trying to sell me stuff. So please don't take it personally if I'm slow in responding, um, but I will eventually get to it. Um, that's the most reliable way to get hold of me. Well, that's great. All right, Jamie. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show, spending, spending some time with us. We wish you the best of luck in your journey. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.